Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to (laughs) Menlo Midweek, everyone. I'm Mark. And I'm Jessica. And today... We have Josh with us. Woo. Hey. We have to clarify because we have multiples. Oh, yeah. I'm the original Josh. Hey. OG. Actually, that's probably not true. Josh Robertson, our San Jose campus pastor. Oh. Thank you, studio audience, for the snaps. Yep. Thank you Thanks so everyone. much. <laughs> it's good to be here, y'all. We do have three on staff right now. Josh Fox. Yeah. Yes. Josh Horton. Josh Horton. Yes. The way to distinguish me between them is I'm the one that doesn't play anything musical. Okay. Mm. I'll remember that. So we call you non-music Josh. Non-musical Josh. (laughs) Okay. I feel like you have some musical talent. Do you not have any? Do not even a little bit. You know, I think you're the only campus pastor too. Yeah. We had talked once about like, wouldn't it be funny if the campus pastors formed a band? Because all of them either like sing or play an instrument, guitar, let's be honest. And then you, yeah, I mean, I would be the backup dancer. You do tambourine. Oh, I could or... see you doing that. Yeah. You give me a leotard with some interpretive dance and I will crush it. But um, <laughs> make sure you know. subscribe to our YouTube channel because yeah. that That's might show extras. up one day. If you get the supplies I'm in. <laughs> That's I'm if saying. you subscribe on Patreon, you get that yes. kind of content. That will be really sweet. Well, thanks so much for being here. And you were here because we had our campus pastors teach this weekend. Yep. And so we're continuing our Get in the Game series where we're talking about what it means to get out of the stands and into the game. And so tell me about San Jose. You've been there for a while. And is it just a joy to teach or is it burdensome because you don't always get to teach all the time? What's that (laughs) like for you? That is a great question. Yeah, my wife and I have been at the San Jose campus now for almost three years. Crazy. So it started in December of 2019 and then three months later this thing called the pandemic started Mm. so been a super interesting time yeah uh but san jose is such an awesome campus and i love preaching i think my favorite thing to do is just lead our team Mm -hmm. and build community Mm -hmm. so anytime i preach i'm an enneagram six wing seven so my team teases me because i'm writing a sermon and then i'll see them walk by my office window and i'm like what's everyone doing what's happening (laughs) Is there like, are you guys going to lunch together? So I love writing a sermon, but I'm like, hopefully no one's having fun without me as I write this message. Uh, But it's also fun preaching live at campuses because you get to, you get to just kind of talk about what God is doing at your specific campus. So like God is doing great things at Menlo as a whole, but then you Mm -hmm. get to go, but what is he doing? Like that's very unique and special to San Jose, which you don't always get to do if it's on video. Um, so it was fun, but I missed out on so many fun lunches and meetings, <laughs> and I died a little bit inside. Mm. Oh. I'm a seven wing six, so oh. I can totally resonate. The right? FOMO is real. That's why he's not smiling. He like he doesn't understand, but you and I get it. Of like, yes. no one's allowed to have fun if nope. I'm in a meeting or something. Nope. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, I'll be like in a meeting, and Mark will leave, and then I'll see like who he's with, and I'm like, oh, I feel so oh, bad after. I want to go with you guys. It's like, it's like at least tell me where are you going? Who's going to be there? What's happening? Yeah, I always forget. I it's I'll okay. do a better job. It's okay. I, you could have fun without me uh, if you can must. I? No, you can't. <laughs> so, Josh, you started your message with a story about football and why you couldn't play it. 
So give us a little bit more about that. And then Jess, I'm curious to see if you had any weird ailments growing up as well, but we'll get into that. So, yes. Uh, so growing up, I had a blood deficiency, which, um, essentially my blood would really struggle to clot. So if I got like a minor cut, then it would take a really long time for my blood to stop. So I just like bleed. Oh, wow. So the fear was that. I feel like I saw that on Grey's Anatomy once. <laughs> I was on it. That was, was that you? Yeah, I was an extra, oh. but it was real example. Okay. Uh, so the fear was like, I'd get a cut and then I would just would bleed out, mm, which gosh. is completely being dramatic. And I have no idea why, uh, but there were some sports that my doctor and my parents were like, this is a safe sport to play. You won't get hurt. Mm. Like soccer is the most violent sport oh, ever, yeah. but I got to play soccer growing up, which that I don't is, understand. Wow. But I couldn't play football, uh, oh. but I always wanted to play football. That was my dream. I don't know why it just was like a dream and it wasn't until my eighth grade like annual doctor's appointment going back to school where the doctor said hey for some strange reason like your blood deficiency is much more controlled like it's much more minimal so you can probably play all sports and i got the okay to play football mm. but it was just like my whole life leading up till high school essentially it's like all my friends played football all of them did peewee and i'm over there playing soccer I'm like, this is the worst. This is the worst. <laughs> so I got to do like track and soccer, but my dream was always, let's go play football, but just don't die. Did yeah. you ever come close to dying? No, like that's a weird thing. People always ask, they said, well, do you ever remember getting a cut and being rushed to the ER? Yeah. And I don't. So my, I think my mom and dad paid the doctor to create oh some. There's a conspiracy theory. My mom's like, my little baby boy is not playing football. So doctor, here's a 20. And let's create this giant lie that completely shaped oh and goodness. ruined my childhood. I'm being dramatic, but tell. I still believe that. <laughs> yeah, I played soccer and that, that's no joke. I mean, side tackling and yeah. like, you, it gets it's aggressive so out there. Oh. It does sound made up then. Yeah, definitely. Should we call my mom right now? We, we should. Teresa, really uh, no, live kidding. on the line. Hey Siri, call my mom. Uh, Jess, did you have any weird like things, ailments, nothing, illnesses? Nothing like that. Okay. Um, the only thing I think thought of was I played volleyball in high school. My freshman year, I like you know you wear the knee pads, but they move around a lot. And I jumped up, got the ball, came down, landed next to or on top of my foot, landed on top of my teammate's foot. Mm. And I fell and I landed on my knee. Oh. So I was out for like a week. And then I went to the doctor. They said nothing, you know, nothing was torn, it's just sore, whatever. But then once a year during the volleyball season, I would have to sit out for a couple of games because it would start to hurt again. And oh, I'd man. always go back to the doctor. And they said, we don't see anything. It's just, you know, bruised or whatever. And then even to this day, sometimes if I'm like walking up a lot of hills, it'll get kind of bad or like, that's usually it. Oh. Like hills or stairs, but that's, yeah, that's my big ailment. Interesting. Yeah. So Maybe I just made it up so I didn't have to play anymore. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> just the opposite. <laughs> no. It hurts so bad and it still brings pain to this day. So Aww. that's not the case. Man. What about you? Do you have any? Yeah, I was kind of a sickly kid. Mm. Uh, I had scarlet fever. Whoa. I had whooping cough. And I had some other medieval disease. And the doctors are just like, what's going on with this kid? Like getting all these crazy old timey diseases that we didn't know still existed. <laughs> but I made it out. I'm here. How did it impact? Like, were you not I was able really to- little. I don't know. No, you don't remember it. I don't really remember. Um, 
The only one that kind of has some repercussions is I tested or I carry tuberculosis, but I can't transmit to anyone and it doesn't affect me. Oh. So like going to other countries, sometimes they'll say like, do you have tuberculosis? Because we're not going to let you in. So then it's like a judgment call on what I really want to say right there. Because I can't give it to anyone, <laughs> and, but I will test positive if they give me a test. That's so really interesting. Really strange. Yeah. What in the world? I know. Atypical tuberculosis. Now you know. Or maybe your parents just told you you did. That could be it. Like maybe they didn't, oh want me to maybe they didn't want they didn't want you country. to go to certain countries. Should I your call mom's my mom? name Teresa? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Now this is the Childhood Trauma yeah, Podcast. Exactly. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Perfect. Where we call each other's moms yeah. after we talk about things that are like, oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Well, that was a very interesting story, Josh. Can you tell us why you shared that story and give a little summary of your sermon? Yeah, I mean, so eventually I got to play football. So in high school, I got to play football. You did it. I wasn't good at it, Aww. but I got to play football. <laughs> all um, but I remember when I first started playing football, we do this thing uh, after like getting in shape, a couple of weeks of like wor working off the bagel bites and like a summer of <laughs> cartoons, like getting high school boys in shape. Bagel we bites. did several days of something called position tryouts. Mm -hmm. And I'm new to this whole football thing. And I just had no idea where I would fit. I'm like, it seems like all the really like tall, big dudes are going for a line. That's not me. Should I be a quarterback? Should I be a kicker? I just had no idea. So I approached my coach. And I just said, hey, coach, like, what position should I try out for? And his response was, Josh, you should try out for whatever position you want. But you're going to play the position that helps this team win. And I kind of shared that story to kind of set up the message for the day of often we will we'll jump in and fill a role and fill a position that we think we want. Mm -hmm. But that's just not how God's kingdom sometimes works. He's going to call us and place us in opportunities and positions that are going to impact his kingdom. And I, I just, I thought that correlation really kind of laid the foundation for where I was wanting God to take our conversation as a church yesterday of want versus what does God need? Yeah. Mm. That's really good. You said, um, one in your message you said how, how might god be inviting and calling you to love this church family and city and you talked a little bit about not liking the word volunteer yeah but it's more about love can you expand on that a little bit yeah i mean i i kind of just said this is a trap that i fall into and i think the big c church for decades have fallen into yeah. we often just say we need volunteers Mm -hmm. And that's true. Like we need people who are going to donate their time and their energy and their resources and their gifts to help the mission of the church move forward. But what we're invited to, what I see in the scripture is not volunteers. And so like a better way that I said in the message of phrasing it is we're called to serve, but mm -hmm. then to take it further is we're actually called to love. And when we change that lens a little bit, it dramatically changes everything. Mm -hmm. And I kind of I shared a story about my wife a little bit about like an opportunity uh, I won't share it all again, but the summary was like, I just failed at a birthday present <laughs> and my wife signed up for this race to go run a marathon. And I was like, can we just like make your entrance fee your birthday present? The worst. I just, I failed <laughs> as a husband. And the reason I failed is because I was trying to check a box of like, okay, I need to do this thing. I need to get my wife a present versus what would be the best thing to do to love my wife? And I think we approach sometimes joining a team or like getting in the game at the church as volunteering and checking a box. It's mm -hmm. like someone needs help. So I, yeah, I can, I can hang out with disciple kids, but we leave out the love component and it dramatically changes everything. Mm. Like 
we're not looking for people to, to sign up or volunteer. What God invites us to is he invites us to follow the way of Jesus, which is to love and to live like him. And I, we just don't need volunteers as a church. We need people who are willing to come and love the people that God have in our building and outside of our building. Yeah. So I just, we have to get away from volunteering and we have to get to the point where we're looking for people who can come and love like Jesus does and whatever that looks like, sometimes in kids, students, outreach. Um, so I'm doing my best to stop saying volunteering, but it's so ingrained in the church. Yeah. It's oh so hard yeah. to stop saying it. Yeah. And I'd love how you reframe that because the more, as you're talking, the more I was thinking about what it means to serve, it really does mean more than just show up from a certain time to a certain time to do this task list that has been assigned to me. It's really like you are loving God in the process by saying yes to this and you're loving those that will be impacted by this, whether that is setting up chairs or whether that is holding a baby or welcoming people into the parking lot or playing music. And it's all an expression of what's happening inward coming out. And so I love that reframe and mm. I'm really hoping that that resonates with some of the people that are listening. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. And as you're crafting this message, was there anything that you had to wrestle through? Was there anything that, I don't know, you either had so many ideas, you had to leave some out or... What was that process like? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I, I wish I had more time to expand on that kind of was like left on the cutting floor a little bit um, was I think the beauty and the genius of Jesus is that often what we're called to lines up with how he's actually created us. Hmm. So your story, how he shaped your childhood, like we were joking about like our parent, but like that, my childhood's a dramatic way of how I lead and how I pastor. And I think... I wish I had more time to expand on who Jesus has created you to be, mm. how you've been created, how you're wired, your gift set. Often, but not always, he's going to align you in a position on his team where his kingdom wins that also is a place that is your sweet spot. So I wish I had more time to just go, for those of you who are wired in this way, this is how God has used people like this in the past mm -hmm. to help people find and follow Jesus. And to just expand on that, because I think often we'll highlight strengths and weaknesses of like, if you're extroverted, then the church, like you're going to thrive. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, some of the most uh, important people in ministry are those quiet introverts who do these jobs that often we mm -hmm. don't see, mm -hmm. but the church couldn't function or flourish without them. Um, I, I just wish I had more time to just talk about specific ways of how God has created and wired you and how you can be used in the church so that his kingdom wins, but it didn't make the cut. Hmm. That kind of, it makes me think of my, one of my, this might not be surprising to anybody. One of my top spiritual gifts is administration. And I think a lot of people think like, how can I use that for, you know, serving kids or, you know, connections or whatever. And what I found really helpful was I started out at Menlo Mountain View, um, just volunteering with high school students, which was also just a passion of mine. I loved youth ministry when I was a kid, but the administration part came along because <laughs> the youth pastor was not administrative. And so getting along- Is that person to, still on staff? They are not on staff, Dang. but it, <laughs> you could name most youth pastors. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> just kidding, I love you all. Um, but I think like what I got to do was help plan events and help organize like we used, it was such a small group at the time we had parents that would bring food. 
help organize those lists and like who's going to come what week, um, getting help plan trips and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of, it felt really cool because it was, came with this exciting passion of getting to work with students, but also using my spiritual gifts yep. mm -hmm. of administration. So that's just an example. I think sometimes a lot of people feel like, well, what can I do with administration? Um, and that's just, you know, go volunteer with students, but you don't even have to, maybe students isn't your gift, but you can help plan things yep. and, you know, be there mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You mentioned thinking through a few different kinds of people that you might have, you'd like to align and stuff. I don't know if you've given more thought and this would be a great place to do so. When you're thinking about that, I thought about the introvert too, because I started extroverted when I got on staff and I'm pretty sure I've been converted <laughs> to introvert. Yep. Over Ministry the, does that. Over man. the five years I've been here. Not me. I can still put my, <laughs> my extrovert hat on every once in a while, but yeah. And so as, as I was recruiting volunteers to different ministries that I've worked with, I just loved sitting down and trying to meet that person and just say, hey, you know, I see you gifted in this way, or have you considered this? So were there some kind of ex examples maybe for your campus specifically, or just in general, maybe there is an introverted person that's like, I want to say yes, but I don't want to talk to people. What do I do? <laughs> yes. Um, I like kind of made the joke in my message. I was like, I invited people to be on the connections team. And I just said, man, if you're an introvert, you've probably never prayed harder than in this moment right now. <laughs> where you're like, God, do not call me to that team. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of the way that I, I kind of phrased it a little bit yesterday, just entering the conversation is, yeah, sit with the person, have a conversation. But even to take that a step further is, I think often we try and put people in boxes mm -hmm. and we go as, hey, as I get to know you, you might be great like here. We have this ministry here. And I think we have to open that up a little bit more. And it's as we take the time and as we get to know our church family, a, a great option B or even C is to go, what is God putting on your heart? And how can we use how God has created and wired and gifted you yeah. to start something new here? Mm. So often joining the team, like what position will you play? Our, our conversation, our question for the week often means starting something new and just going, I don't fit into the conventional team or the conventional position. Can I create something new? And I think that's the beauty of the conversation is when you sit with people, someone might go, I'm introverted. I don't like people. <laughs> I don't have any nights a week free. <laughs> like they know their rhythms. They know their yeah. schedules. And to just sit with them and go, well, that's great. Thanks for telling me that but what is God putting on your heart? Mm -hmm. Like, is there something you're wanting to do? Is there something that he's opening your eyes to that might be new that we can create together? So I don't think it's even like a position or a certain person, but just to jump, jump the line a little bit and to go, is there something new that's in you that I can do to support you? Um, a new position, new ministry, new role. If that answers your question a bit. Yes, it really does. And I think you said at your campus, when someone walks walks in and watches, experiences the service, and then leaves, there's like 35 or 40 people that help make that happen? Yeah, like we just kind of, from the moment someone parks to the moment they leave, from cafe, greeters, students, kids, Man. worship, production, it's anywhere from 39 to 42 volunteers wow. a week at our San Jose campus, which is awesome. And we just, those are 39 to 42 people who every single week understand that the position that they play in loving others in a very tangible, personal way makes a difference. Mm. Whether that's putting out banners, holding a sign, picking up garbage, making coffee, getting kids in our system so they could be checked in for safety. There's lots of different positions, but at the highest level, all of those positions are loving someone else mm -hmm. so that their church feels like home. 
And not one of them is more important. Not one of them is less important. They all serve a different purpose. And the beauty is that those individuals filling those positions know that those positions matter, no matter what it is. And many of those roles are like I just talked about, they created them. They're like, hey, pastor, is anyone making coffee? No, we're just picking it up from a local coffee shop. I can make coffee. Cool. Mm. Like, do that. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, just 39 to 42 people every week who said, I think I can love someone in this avenue. Is that okay? And we go, uh, yes, that'd be amazing. <laughs> That's so good. I think I love just that the approach to that because I think so often we, we want volunteers and we say we're not going to get them by making an announcement from the pulpit. You know, it's usually a, a person-to-person ask. And I think so often, even like you're saying, we just ask like, hey, can you come be a student's volunteer? Which could be great, but that's a huge commitment. And instead it's like, hey, if, do you have some extra time to s- volunteer in some capacity? Your answer is probably, and don't even say volunteer. Do you have extra Good time catch. to love people hey, uh, on a Sunday morning? And you would hope that their answer would be yes. And then, yeah, I love that. Just having the conversation be like, as I, as I talking to you, I get the sense that you would be great at X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Because sometimes even the introverts think connections isn't their place. But thinking back when I worked at Mountain View, sometimes it's just passing out a bulletin and smiling. Mm-hmm. You yep. don't have to start a conversation with somebody. You don't have to like lead them to Jesus, but it's just standing there and smiling and giving a bulletin. Feels yep. like, you know. Well, side tangent, yeah. side tangent, introverts are some of the best connections people because they yeah. just, they see things that no one else, yes. they see the people who try to sneak in and sneak out mm-hmm. and they catch them. And so like anyone could be on connections and everyone should be on yeah. connections. Because us extroverts, we just want to talk to everybody that's walking in. Yeah, we're like dug <laughs> from up. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> but the introverts are like, okay, well, while well, you do that, I'm going to go yes. do more coffee. And I think for me, when you both were talking, there, there's Sunday-centric roles, and then there's roles that you don't even have to be there on Sunday. Yeah. Like yeah. I was thinking some of my most rock star volunteers were the ones that I could count on during the week to say, hey, do you need anything coming up for this weekend? Can I schedule people for you? Can yeah. I meet with this person? What do you need from me? And those people, I was like, oh, okay, you get it you're willing to go above and beyond the time you have carved out for your Sunday morning experience with God to making yourself available throughout the week. So I love those people so much. Yeah. They're the best. And we've been asking all of our speakers that are coming in here, Josh, Uh-oh. what was your first like service role at a church? Do you remember what one of the first things you did was? Oh man. And when was it? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to completely contradict myself to what we talked about at the very beginning. I remember as a high school boy playing bass in our youth group. And I like was oh, on the worship team. Oh, the truth player. comes out. Again, hopefully Sam Talbert at San Jose is not hearing that. Oh, I will make uh, sure again, Sam Talbert, you do I not was hear not this. Good. But <laughs> I remember playing bass just like a couple times a month. Which was fun. Like I just kind of You're got, for sure going to play bass now. <laughs> never. Absolutely not. Uh, I think honestly, like the first really like impactful one where I went like, oh my gosh, I'm drowning here is, uh, the youth pastor. When I was like 17, 18, the youth pastor, Dan Laird, who's still a youth pastor. I don't even, which is crazy to me because <laughs> I think he's in his seventies now, which is amazing. Whoa, cool. Uh, he just said, Hey, I'm going to lead a guy's life group. Would you come and like be my co-leader? Which was code for he just was going to be the adult, but he had me do all the work. Yep. Mm. And which is awesome. But I remember just going in every Wednesday night to leading like this life group with Dan going, 
Jesus, I need you. Like, this is so overwhelming. Mm. I don't know what to say. These boys are disgusting. All they do is fart <laughs> the entire time. I can't keep enough, like, Cheez-Its in the house. And that was, like, my first experience of, like, what does it look like to, to lead a life group and to be a co-leader, but then sometimes be the leader and to partner with parents. And it was just a whole new thing. And it was so much work, but it was so rewarding. I remember every Wednesday night I'd go home and just fall asleep and then wake up the next day excited mm. to lead again the next, which I think is the beauty of loving, not volunteering, mm -hmm. of loving other people is it's not always going to be easy. Yeah. It's not always going to be convenient. But uh, like in 1 Corinthians 12, when he talks about all the spiritual gifts, he ends it in verse 31 saying, but I will show you the most excellent way. So when we love other people, it's a pathway for God to give us what we need to love others. It's an opportunity for us to connect with God. And that was my experience leading these boys was I didn't know what I was doing, mm -hmm. but I never felt closer to Jesus. I never felt like I needed him more. And I never felt like I was growing more as a Christ follower. Interesting. What was it about that ask that made you say yes? I struggle to tell people no. <laughs> uh, That'll do it. <laughs> uh, well, my band's looking for a bass player. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I think a lot of it is I just, I respected the person who asked. Hmm. Like Dan, when he asked, he knew me as a person. He knew my bandwidth. He knew my margin. There was a relationship. So I think that's why it, it's really hard to ask someone like from a stage, would you come and love people if there's not a relationship? Mm -hmm. That's why the one-on-one -on -one ask is so much more impactful and meaningful because you, the person you're talking with is like, hey, Jess, would you serve in students? Uh, I know that you're bandwidth. I know that you're administrative. Mm -hmm. You can speak to the person and go, this is how you would help the kingdom win compared to just a very general ask. So Dan in the ask knew who I was. It was personal. And I knew that he thought about that before asking me. So I trusted him as a person. Well, take note, everybody that's asking people to do stuff in their lives. Don't do it from a stage. <laughs> <laughs> and be trusting. Be trusting. No, but I think in that ask, you're pulling at the, there's, per, there's a certain kind of intention that people can have. And for someone to identify things in you that you might not even see in yourself, mm -hmm. but man, I, I can see you like leading or growing in this area and this would definitely help with that. Or would you be open to this? I had something similar like that happen to me as well, where I was, I was in Japan and I was taking tape off of a stage, just helping out a friend. And they're like, oh, you, you look like you could do this more. You should help <laughs> our stage team. And then I asked more questions, but like, well, you're, you're naturally helpful and you want to serve, but you just kind of don't know how. And I was like, you're right, I don't know how. And there was something about someone else saying it to me and asking it to me specifically that really resonated with, I think what God was wanting me to do, but I, would, I was holding on to something that I just couldn't let go of until someone else yeah. asked. Mm -hmm. So, when I think that's why it's important. Uh, like if you were to ask someone, hey, what's your strengths? They very rarely can reply quickly. Compared to if you hmm. ask someone's spouse, they're like, my husband's great at this, oh, this, yeah. this, this. Um, it, when you make the ask of, hey, what are you good at? How can you help the church? Or like, where do you see yourself loving other people? It's hard for them to respond. But someone else already sees in you the things that maybe you're not aware of, which is why I think was, as you kind of navigate your role and how you can help God's kingdom, 
you should do that in community, mm -hmm. right? It's like sometimes we're just blind to the things that we're good at and blind to some of the things that we're not great at, which is why you should sit with someone that you love and trust to go, man, I really want to get connected. Like, can you just help me process that? Can you process how God has wired me? Can you process maybe some things I'm good at? Because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't realize like, oh, I'm, I, I'm a helper. I've never thought about that. But someone tells you and then you're like, you process that and someone affirms that and it becomes more and more clear that that's who God has created you to be in that season. Yes. That's so good. Yeah, that's great. Any lingering uh, things you want to share, thoughts, comments about your sermon or any cool upcoming things you want to invite people to at your San Jose campus? Yeah, I mean, at our, at our San Jose campus, we have our volunteer kickoff coming up <gasps> September 10th, which is a great opportunity if you're trying to navigate maybe how you can get in and love people, what avenues we have, what avenues we're, we want to create. Join us, free breakfast, Ooh. and then some breakouts. That's the 10th. Um, nice. And then I would also just direct people, like you can fill out our connect card on our website. Mm -hmm. So as you're listening to this whole conversation and you go, man, I want to get in the game. I want to love people. I don't know how. Fill out our connect card and someone will follow up with you to just, again, have that conversation in community of navigating what does it look like to get in the game and to help God's kingdom win. And so I'd just say, Philip, if you're listening to this, go to our website, fill out the connect card. Someone wants to follow up with you and just partner with you so you can get off the bench. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes too. So it'll be right below. Mm -hmm. Also another op awesome opportunity, starting point. We have that at all of our yep. campuses coming up. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of just want to get to know Menlo a little bit better, or you're just like, this all sounds really awesome, but I don't have that person in my life to tell me what my gifts are or to help lead me to loving others on mm. during the week or on Sundays or whatever that looks like, go to menlo.church slash starting point. We can also put that in the show notes and sign up at the campus nearest you. And um, yeah, that's a great way to find out what the ministry areas are. And yeah, think about what, what passion do you have for that and what spiritual gifts and um, how you can grow deeper at Menlo and deeper in your relationship with Jesus and with others. It's a great, great opportunity for people. Yeah. And if, if you want to talk through anything or pray through anything or just want to chat with us to see, hey, I, I want to contact someone, but I just don't know how or who I should, you could text our team 650-600-0402. We will get back to you as soon as we can, which will be pretty much immediately, immediately. because <laughs> that reaches me and my phone and it will buzz. <laughs> so don't do it right now because otherwise it'll buzz and distract me. But... <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Josh, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming It was on. really fun. And shout out San Jose. You guys are awesome. Boop, boop. Yeah, come check out San Jose campus. Yeah. Sundays at 10 a.m. Join us. Special place in my heart. It's where I was born and raised. San Jose, Ayo. baby. 408. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>